Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin. I've got Rob on the phone. We're not live today, unfortunately. It didn't work out, but we are on the phone. Rob, how are you doing this fine weekend? Terrific, man. It's a lovely, lovely Labor Day weekend. And honestly, it really, really feels like football, and I'm just loving it. Yeah, there was football yesterday. I, did you watch anything? I didn't. I didn't catch any of the games yesterday i like started to watch a little bit but no i didn't really watch football it was funny i texted (laughs) i texted y'all so like we have a little group chat where we talk like eva sports i texted them i was like guys like i really want football today they're like rob there is football today (laughs) (laughs) did not know that (laughs) yeah yeah like army and and uh army was saying am i a joke to you like what do you (laughs) yeah what am i Top liver yeah there was some football yesterday but no like big name teams per se so i and i don't have cable anymore so i didn't turn any games on but it's okay and we're gonna but hopefully by next week there should be some big time games um maybe we'll have like a preseason top 25 from the ap or something that might be cool but yeah so we're gonna as football comes back it's getting more exciting and it kind of like fall feels like football and so if it doesn't come back soon uh, nfl comes back next week too so that's exciting i don't know it just yeah you're right it feels like football now the weather the sun I, like i woke up and i was like man like days like this are when i'm actually gonna miss like really being in charlottesville for the games this year yeah but it's looking like we're actually gonna have games which is exciting regardless and we we certainly hope so but as sports keep coming back so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag. Major League Baseball and the NBA are in full swing. And as we just said, college football, NFL are coming back very soon. So you got to um, bet online with betonline.ag. Also tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the Bet Online team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expensive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his stuff. Visit betonline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back back to sports bonuses. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. (laughs) That's absurd. So because football is almost back, today we wanted to, and we do this, we've done this for the past two years. We're actually in season three of the Guys and Ties podcast now. It's, it's pretty exciting, I think. 
Um, but oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, but we're gonna we've done this the past couple of years. We're gonna do a position ranking, uh, position group ranking. So we're gonna go through all eight. I think we have eight position groups, and we're gonna rank them. Actually, are we doing top five? Or are we doing all eight? Uh, we'll do top five, but we'll go back and we'll hit all eight. So the way we're thinking about this is like we've done before, we're ranking the position units and the position units, you know, have a little bit of overlap between them, but it's generally, you know, how they're coached and how they typically think of. So on the defense, we're going to look at the defensive line, the linebackers and the secondary on offense. We're going to look at the offensive line, quarterback, receivers and tight ends. We'll group those together, running backs. And then we're also going to include special teams in there. They're kind of a last minute addition to the positional group rankings. I was, so we have I was eight position groups. Yeah, I was hitting hard for special teams to be included because I think they're in a very important part of this team. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely has been a key piece to the development of the program, which I'm sure we'll touch on because the special teams at UVA are actually pretty good. Um, so yeah, but Rob, I, and Rob and I have not shared our list with each other. So this is, hopefully there's some differences in our list that might (laughs) make it a little bit more interesting, but we'll see. Maybe we're just both like super in tune with each other and we'll have the same list. But, uh, I kind of doubt it because he didn't have special teams in his and I did. (laughs) So so we'll see what happens, but let's start off. We're going to go from the top number one, which group we think is the best, I think we're probably going to have the same one, but uh, we'll see. And then we're going to go down from there. So, Rob, I want you to start off. What is your number one position group for UVA football this upcoming season? So, number one has to be the linebackers. I agree. It has to be the linebackers. I totally agree. You know, it's funny because the linebackers, you know, they talk about overlap and scheme. And in the UVA scheme, there is a lot of overlap, you know, with how these defensive schemes are run and you know the blitzes they call you have to kind of be able to play all over the field but the outside linebackers are really quite different than the inside linebackers you know outside coached by kelly papinga inside is shane hunter but when you look at both of these groups i mean from top to bottom they're just so good you know outside it obviously starts with charles snowden and noah taylor inside uh zane zandier will start again and you know rob jackson it's finally getting back to full strength, but because he's been out for a while, you know, Nick Jackson is going to start on the inside, the true sophomore. So that's an exciting development there. And then you look at the depth, you know, the inside guys, once Rob Snyder comes back, you know, they're going to add a piece there. Hopefully he can stay healthy all season, adds another really a startable uh, caliber player there. And on the outside, you have so many players, you know, Matt Gam is going to play a lot. Apparently Elliot Brown had a nice camp. And the underclassmen are really, really exciting. You know, Deshaun Perry could be a really good pass rusher. Um, the freshman, John Horton and Brandon Williams are both really high ceiling players. There's just so much to be excited about. You know, Hunter Stewart, we don't know if he's really going to stick at inside or outside, but he was a high-ranking recruit for the team. It's a really exciting group of players. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you. I, I think that, you know, some of the most dynamic players on this team are in that linebacking group, You're, uh, you know, Snowden, and Noah Taylor, both of whom should probably get some uh, some in NFL draft talk as the season goes on. As I think particularly Noah Taylor, who really had a breakout year last season in his sophomore year, and he's he and Snowden are built kind of the same way. They're both tall, pretty long guys. Um, uh, 
you know, and we really saw Noah Taylor at the end of last year kind of come into his own. He had two interceptions against Tech. Uh, he he had a bunch of sacks last year. So I'm really looking forward to see where he goes and where where Snowden can take his game to as well. Yeah, and you know, Snowden Snowden's definitely a guy that is on NFL radars. You know, I said it after his sophomore season. I'm kind of saying it again now after the junior season. I think he could develop a bit more as a pass rusher. You know, he had a sack against Virginia Tech and then also a sack against Florida. But mm-hmm. he had five sacks on the season, and his other three came against William and Mary and Old Dominion. So you'd like to see him be a, a bit more consistent as a true pass rusher. That said, you know, he's terrific uh, against the run. He's obviously super, super long at six foot seven. can get in passing lanes. Didn't have an interception last year, but had two uh, his sophomore year. So, you know, obviously so versatile. And same as Noah Taylor. You know, Noah Taylor really has, you know, the ability to drop in coverage. And, you know, what they're talking about a lot, which Kelly Papinga hinted at, is how do you also get Matt Gam on the field? And mm-hmm. Matt Gam is going to be a senior. Um, you know, he's not really as versatile in coverage as the other two guys are, but strong against the run, a good pass rusher. You know, his most memorable play of the year was probably that sack on the second down and that final drive against Tech. Yep. Um, but you also think back to the first game of the season, he had that great drop back and pulled the interception against Pitt, which really helped turn the momentum in that game. So another really solid player, you know, and this defense is going to be schemed around the linebackers. For the past couple of years, it was really schemed around the defensive backs, you know, sending corner blitzes, sending safety blitzes. You know, that was the strength of the team, and they took advantage of it. This year, the strength of the team is really, really the linebackers. And I think Kelly Pumpinga could not be more excited uh, to really deploy these guys. Yeah, because, you know, last last season we both said, I think we both said that the secondary was our best unit. It's still very good this season, but – as the season went on and, you know, the secondary was kind of decimated by injuries, the linebackers really had to stand, step up. And, you know, you talked about Noah Taylor dropping into coverage. He was playing the nickelback in that nickel defense uh, some of the time because we didn't have any cornerbacks to play that position. So especially if you look in the Florida game, he, he was there a lot. And so I'm I'm really looking forward to, to seeing that, you know, the linebackers had um, the most sacks of any unit last season. I expect that to be the same for this season. And I'm really excited to see, you know, where they go, where, where they take this defense. Yeah. And, you know, the, probably the one thing I want to add is that it should be noted that Jordan Mack is really the lone departure of the group. You know, Jordan Mack, you know, was a terrific player, you know, all ACC type caliber player, got a shot in the NFL um, as an undrafted free agent. And he led the team last year with seven and a half sacks, but, You know, that said, he really played hurt down the stretch and he made an impact against Virginia Tech. You know, he forced that one fumble, Uh, but he really wasn't playing at full strength in the latter part of the year and actually ended up missing the Orange Bowl where Nick Jackson started alongside Zane Zandier on the inside. So I would certainly say Jordan Mack losing him, you know, it's not like it's going to be necessarily the most seamless transition in the world, but Nick Jackson played really, really well in that Florida game. You know, he's back another year under his belt, kind of been thrown into the fire i love this quote that bryce hall said is that you can't be fireproof until you're fire tested mm-hmm. and by all accounts he was fire tested in that florida game so i'm really excited about uh you know how he's going to come along on the inside so he's definitely a guy as a true sophomore you know that has already some starting experience he's really an exciting player for the next two to three years for this program yeah I, and i'm i'm really excited to see 
how he does too. And, you know, we talk a lot about the outside line, the two most outside linebackers, you know, Noah Taylor, Charles Snowden, but the middle ones are really good too. And as you say, Nick Jackson, um, super exciting at the end of last season, he's a young talent and, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that we could throw in there too. So I, I think and I'm, I like that we both agree, and I think most people would agree with us as well that the linebackers are clearly by far the most talented group and probably the most important group uh, in the in the UVA football team. Yeah, totally agree. I think both of those points are spot on. And we agreed on the first one. Let's see if we agree on the second one. Rob, who is your second overall position group? So for me, I'm going to say the secondary. Mm-hmm. And to me, the secondary mainly gets the nod because of the safety room. Mm-hmm. Because the safety room is so, so deep. But I'm curious what you have as your second best position. Unit. Uh, so I think if you asked me earlier in this, like before COVID, without COVID, it might have been the defensive line just because of all those people we had in there. Um, but with COVID and with some people sitting out, I think it changed me over to the secondary because we've um, lost less people in that area. And as you said, the safeties are super good. You know, you're talking about Joey Blunt. You're talking about Devontae Cross, who's really come into his own. Even the cornerbacks who who last season were growing a lot. Nick Grant is really good. Um, we've got some people back from injury. So I think the secondary, uh, you know, definitely takes a hit from where it was at the beginning of last season, but still a super talented uh, group. Yeah, certainly. You know, the safety room is really led by four seniors, all of whom are starting caliber players in the ACC. You know, Joey Blunt's coming off a third team all ACC season, a season where he played hurt a lot, too. So hopefully he's back to full strength, can play through the whole season. You know, JMU transfer D'Angelo Amos, he's really, from what people are saying out of camp, you know, he really might have the inside track to start along Joey Blunt in uh, the base package in the secondary. You know, Amos, um, you know, terrific punt returner, which I'm sure we'll get to at JMU. Um, but he was also, you know, a first-team uh, all-FCS caliber player. And apparently he's just done terrific, you know, strong enough in coverage, really hard-hitting player in the box. You know, it could easily happen that he's trotting out there, you know, first series against Tech as the starter. And then you talk about Devontae Cross, a guy that if he's able to stick at safety, I'm really high on. You know, the question with him is he's so versatile that when Bronco talks about cross-training, the defensive backs have kind of hinted, yeah, he's cross-training. You know, it looks like he's cross-training a bit at wide receiver. It looks like he's also playing a little bit at corner. So he's a guy that if he stays at safety, I think it's really, really valuable. You know, the hope is that the roster holds up so he can. And then finally, you know, talk about Brendan Nelson, 2017 ACC Rookie of the Year defensively. Um, he's just got a nose for the football. He's really primarily the nickelback, but he's terrific in that role. And, you know, like we've talked about, Broncos said that, hey, when Brendan Nelson got hurt last year, you know, it really hurt the defense more than when Bryce Hall got hurt just because Nelson is so versatile. So not even talking about the rest of the guys you got four really good safeties right there, all yeah. seniors. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, they, their experience, they, and down the stretch, you know, there's some, some times where, you know, they were asked to do a lot. You know, you're talking about Devontae Cross, um, you know, being asked to do different things. Well, hopefully, I, you know, it's almost frustrating that he's been unable to stick at one position because 
if he was able to stick at one position and just kind of focus on that, I feel like he would almost be, you know, better than what he has been. And he's been super good for the past couple seasons. But like, you know, at the end of last year, he had to play corner. And there was just some times where he just, he missed some stuff. Um, but at safety, he, he played really well. And so I hope this year, as you were saying, he can stick at safety. Totally. And then looking at the cornerback room, you know, Nick Grant is back for his senior season. Nick Grant, you know, he's probably not an all ACC caliber player, but he certainly exceeded my expectations last year when he was really pushing the action early, you know, uh, especially with Darius Braden going down. And then when Bryce Hall got hurt, he became our number one corner. Mm-hmm. So Nick Grant is back. Um, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic for Darius Braden. You know, Darius Braden, if you remember, was starting games over Tim Harris in that 2018 season in the first half of the year. And Tim Harris really had a strong second half of the season, uh, got himself drafted. Darius Braden tore his ACL in one of the first uh, practices of fall camp last year. By all accounts, Bronco said he's pretty much 100% back. The rumors out of training camp is that he's had a really, really good camp. So he's probably the favorite to start opposite uh, Nick Grant. And, you know, there's some young guys you'd like to see come along a little bit. I thought Heskin Smith did a good job when forced in action last year. He's probably the third corner. You know, hopefully he's a redshirt junior. You know, you hope he can come along this season and maybe, you know, grow into that third cornerback role and potentially even start next year, depending on what happens with Nick Grant and the rest of the seniors as far as eligibility being frozen. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm okay with Nick Grant and Darius Braden's emergence or reemergence, I should say, this summer, you know, makes me feel a lot better about the cornerback room. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think it'll be good to, you know, uh have a healthy secondary, which is something that we didn't have for probably the second half of last season. Um, and it, it really, it definitely hurt us in certain spots, you know, more so than maybe some of our other, like last year, I think of a unit that we blamed for a lot of our problems early on, um, particularly in the Notre Dame game and maybe the Miami game too, was the offensive line. And towards the end of the season, it wasn't so much the offensive line, but the, um, but for sure the, secondary that might have been causing some problems uh which was unfortunate yeah definitely and you know you'd like to see the depth grow a little bit at cornerback you know Darius Braden Heskin Smith you know is Jalen Baker the guy behind them you know he was certainly thrown in the fire last year against UNC and didn't really play too much after that you Mm -hmm. know is Jalen Baker ready to come out and you know hopefully kind of have a little bit better performance than he did in that North Carolina game but you know, looking at the safety room, there's a lot of promising players there. You know, we learned, unfortunately, that Tanya Dixon is one of the opt-outs this year. Um, but, you know, looking at the two freshmen you bring in, Elijah Gaines, Donovan Johnson, I'm really high on both of those guys, especially Elijah Gaines. You know, and then Antonio Clary, he played really well um, for a couple games last year. He just started practicing again, which is exciting. You know, he really unfortunate for him, you know, not only tearing his ACL last year, but tearing the ACL in the fifth game. So he couldn't qualify for the red shirt, Mm -hmm. but he is back practicing, you know, between him and Elijah Gaines, Donovan Johnson. I feel really good about the future of the position at safety, especially knowing our top four guys right now are all seniors. I agree. I totally agree. And, um, if, 
unless you have something else to say, you know, we've agreed on the first two position groups. Let's see if we can do a uh, third one in a row. So, Rob, who is your third-ranked position group on this UVA team? So this is where you threw kind of a wrench into my rankings, but I'm going to say special teams. What do you say? Okay, I was going to say offensive line, actually. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let, let's talk about this. Let's let's talk about the offensive line because I think that's a very intriguing pick as mm-hmm. a third best position unit. So yeah. let's talk about that for a bit. Okay. I um I picked the offensive line because as I was saying earlier, the they did a good job towards the end of last season, you know, with with kind of shoring themselves up and helping the run game and protecting Bryce Perkins, which was definitely the most important thing to do at the time. Right. What we've got now is a group that is the most experienced in the ACC coming back. They have the most starts out of anyone in the ACC combined. Um, they all return from what we've heard. Ryan Swoboda has um, become a massive right tackle, you know, just someone who he was always massive, but he's now, able to move his feet a little bit better and um he's had a good camp from from the things that we've heard which is amazing i think that this group is ready to take the next step in um you know being able to protect the not just the quarterback which is which was their main thing last year because the quarterback did everything but also being able to make some room uh, on the run game which is something that we're going to need a lot more help from this season yeah, definitely. And, you know, talking about the offensive line, it's really, like you said, the experience is finally there. You mm-hmm. know, it took five seasons for Bronco and 2J to really build out a credible two deep on the offensive line. Yeah. But year five, it looks like they finally got it. Mm-hmm. Now the question is really, you know, it's transitioned from can you put guys out there to can you put guys out there that can perform? Yeah. And that's really what we're looking at here. And, you know, uh, Oluwatimi, he's going to stay at center. You know, he had honorable mention all ACC honors last year, uh, strong center, you know, and I think that'll help the transition from Bryce Perkins to Brennan Armstrong is having continuity at the center position, someone mm-hmm. who can help Brennan get used to the calls. But then outside of that, the rest of the offensive line, you know, I would still expect there to be some shuffling as far as positions go. So Ryan Swoboda, we've pretty much been told he's had a stellar camp, you know, 6'10", up to 325 pounds. You know, we've pretty much told, been told that Swoboda's starting at right tackle. But outside mm-hmm. of that, you know, it's really kind of piecing together, you know, how do you get the rest of your best five guys on the field? Bobby Haskins, who played a lot at left tackle last year, he was hurt in camp, had an off-season surgery. So he's still working his way back. I wouldn't expect him back for another couple of games. And now you're really looking at a combination of four guys for three spots. You know, Alex Gellerstedt, Dellen Rankinsmeyer, Chris Glazer, and Ryan Nelson. So really, Nelson and Rakensmeyer both have the ability to play guard or tackle. Glazer's pretty much a guard. You know, he struggled. Of the guys on the offensive line last year, he's probably the one who struggled most down the stretch. And Gellerstadt, the Penn State transfer, is the tackle. So depending on where these guys shake out, you know, you have a number of different line combinations. And I think that's something that they're still playing with. You know, at the beginning of camp, it was really Rankensmeyer a lot at left tackle nelson at left guard and glazer at right guard mm-hmm. you know from the videos we've seen we've seen some of alex geller set at left tackle which then bumps reikens meyer into guard 
you know, really the question becomes, are you trading Chris Glazer or Alex Skellerstead on the line? And that'll help kind of determine the starting five. So there's still a little bit of shuffling here. But like you said, we finally have experience. We have some guys, you know, and um, a Joe Bissinger and a Ryan Leach, guys that have impressed so far. Jonathan Leach, that is. So I think it's I think it's fair to expect an improved offensive line. All that to say, I think they should be better this year. I And I, I totally agree with you. I think that, you know with with all this experience they they not only do they have this experience but they have experience together and i think that's really important for a unit like the offensive line working together knowing each other's weak spots knowing how to help each other that's why you know when you have an experienced offensive line like this everything on the offense improves the passing improves the running game improves the um pass blocking improves just kind of everything comes together and so you saw that a lot at the end, end of the season where the offensive line got a lot better over time. And that was a trouble at the beginning where they hadn't played together a lot. Um, but I'm excited. Tell me why you chose special teams as your third best position unit. Definitely. So special teams, um, as far as kicking goes, you know, you return your starting place kicker and Brian Delaney mm-hmm. and you return your starting punter and Nash Griffin. So, Right out of the gate, you feel pretty confident. You know, Delaney, really the biggest hit on him is he missed the extra point against Florida State, and he missed the extra point against Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, but against Virginia Tech especially, you know, he certainly redeemed himself. Uh, you know, he has the ability to make long field goals pretty consistent. You know, I would say he's the best kicker UVA has had in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Nash Griffin, didn't not a booming leg, but he was really good at dropping those punts inside the 20, you know, certainly an effective weapon for this team and a UVA team that, you know, <laughs> kind of crazy. We've had some pretty good punters over the past several years. Yeah, so for sure. He continues that line. And you look at the returning position, you know, you lose Joe Reed and that certainly hurts the unit. Joe Reed, fast, strong, quick, really a terrific kick returner for UVA. But what we did see last year in games where he missed or games where they didn't put him at kick returner because he was coming recovering from injury, is you still saw that unit be effective, which is very much a testament to Ricky Brumfield, the second special teams coordinator. But, you know, when Seneca Millage was returning kicks, they did pretty well against Liberty. And when Tavares Kelly returned kicks against Georgia Tech, he also did really well. Mm-hmm. So I would say Tavares Kelly, you know, could certainly be the kick returner. We also look have to look at uh, Shane Simpson, the Townsville transfer. He was a very good return man um, at the FCS level and certainly has the potential to return kicks and I think do a good job here at UVA. And then looking at punt returner, Billy Kemp isn't the most dynamic guy, as Bronco would say, at punt returner, although he was solid at the end of last year. But the real wild card is JMU transfer D'Angelo Amos. You know, Amos not only was he a first team all ACC or first team FCS All American at safety, but he was also a really, really good punt returner at JNU. And you look at his highlight videos from JNU last year, you know, it return it includes several punt returns for touchdowns. It also includes a couple blocked field goals. So he's also a guy who could really factor in there. Maybe he can come off the edge and get a couple blocks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having a coordinator like Ricky Brumfield, who's really done a good job these past several years, you know, returning the kickers and having really good coverage or uh, return units, you know, just as far as the base formation. I think while we're not going to be able to truly plug and play at kick returner, I think the new guys can do good enough. And 
Amos could be, you know, by all accounts, the best punt returner UVA has had in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's exciting to see. I, I agree with everything you said. I think, you know, special teams is super important. That's why I wanted to include them in this list. I think that our special teams, as you said earlier, has really uh, elevated this team probably more than it should have. We had, we've had we had a great return in Joe Reed last year. Of course, he's gone. We've got a new great returner coming in. Um, we have a really good place kicker, a really solid place kicker, hit, a, hit some really deep field goals last season. As you also said, missed some extra points, but hopefully he will get over that. And we've got a really solid punter in um, uh, Nash Griffin. So I'm excited to see you know, where the special teams can take us. They don't make a lot of mistakes. Um, They've done some fake stuff in the past, like fake punts. So I'm excited to see what they can do with the special teams going into this year. Yeah, it should, it should be very good again. And, you know, the one difference we have, which probably is worth noting is that Ricky Brumfield, the past two years, he only coached special teams this year. He's also coaching tight ends and he became more involved in that towards the end of last year previously Robert and I was the tight ends coach so he does have a little bit more on his plate although he said he always felt like he wanted more to do the past two years at UVA is that they practice special teams and he'd have fun and then they go into positional positional uh drills and he'd be like all right like just what do I do with my hands type of deal so that is one interesting area to monitor Hopefully it does not have an effect on the special teams. And I think it will have a positive impact on the tight ends. Mm -hmm. Um, So with that, you know, like you said, linebackers, secondary, that's our top two. You've got offensive line at third. I've got special teams at third. What do you have as the fourth best position unit on the team? Um, My fourth best unit would be the special teams. I think that they, um, I think that they've kind of, become a real, a big staple of this Virginia football team, kind of like how special teams was really big for Virginia Tech back in the day. I think that uh, this team makes it really, really difficult to, um, to you know, kick to people and they, they pin opponents back a lot. I think the special teams unit is fantastic. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, you know, that's why I had a third on my list. I think it is interesting, you know, I've got him at number three. You've got him at number four. You know, we both have him in the top half of the position units at UVA, the special teams, which mm-hmm. for many years, that was not the case. Definitely you know, not I'm the still case. haunted by get off the field. Collegiate. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrifying. Yeah. Um, so my number four position, I'll go defensive line. You know, this probably would have been a shade higher if we had Famui this year. Mm-hmm. You know, Famui is one of the COVID opt outs. Um, and so has Ben Smiley until it was reported last week that Ben Smiley has actually returned to grounds. Sounds like he's going to be returning to the team. He is quarantining right now. So it might take him a couple games into the season until he's back to, you know, where we hope we can be as a good rotational depth player. But it does seem like we'll have Ben Smiley on the field at some point this year. Mm-hmm. So you look at the defensive line, you know, you've got a fourth year senior in Mandy Alonzo, who of course had the terrific sack against Hendon Hooker last year to help UVA seal that game. Uh, You've also got sixth year Richard Burney. And Burney, I'll tell you, man, you go back and you watch that Florida game and you look at how good Richard Burney played. Mm -hmm. And Richard Burney, I think, is a guy that really, you know, it seems weird to say a sixth year guy is having a breakout year. But 
I really think he's going to surprise a lot of people. And, you know, his teammates noticed this offseason. They gave him the first jersey pick selection. I think he is going to have, you know, a noticeable step up this year. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe the most intriguing storyline here is Jawan Briggs. You know, top 100 recruit, um, really, really strong player. And, you know, he had his moments last season. He started most of the games in the first half of the season. He had that cool sack against uh, UNC. But, you know, down the stretch, he really didn't play as much. And they really wanted to play him truly as a nose tackle. They didn't put him at end very often, which I think limited his time on the field. Well, he comes back now stronger. Um, he upped his weight, actually, quite significantly. I think he was playing at around 285 last year, and he's up to 310 right now. Oh, wow. So he will start as the nose tackle, most likely. The question really is, is when they go into the nickel package and they go the two, four, five alignments, can he be one of those two defensive linemen that are really there to rush the passer? Mm-hmm. But you bring in him, you bring in the JNU transfer. You know, I'm excited about the starters, the depth is a little bit unproven you know you'd like to see a bit more out of jordan redmond same thing out of samson reed and we'll see what ben smiley can do this year once he gets back into play but i really like the starting group of the defensive line and man if we had aaron Tamui, this could be even higher on the list yeah yeah i i i like that i like that pick a lot i like it i um speaking of defensive line i had defensive line at uh um my fifth pick and i and i have that because familiar is such a big part of that defensive line he's a big presence gets into the backfield a lot is able to plug those holes really easily missing him this season um i is gonna hurt and i don't know how much it's gonna hurt but i think it'll hurt um enough to make them kind of drop a couple levels in what they could have been definitely and you know the biggest kind of question mark with the defensive line is how well do they get after the passer and that's what Aaron Tamui was so good at. He was probably our best pass rushing defensive lineman. And, you know, Eli Hamback wasn't, you know, a dominating force as far as pass rushing goes, but he was, I think, underrated as a pass rusher on the defensive line as well. So you look at this year, you know, Mandy Alonzo was probably our second best defensive lineman pass rusher last year. So he's back. You know, I think Richard Burney really took a step up against Florida. You know, if you look at that terrific interception by Nick Grant, the reason that ball was thrown off was because Richard Burney was hitting Kyle Trask on that play. Mm -hmm. And he really did some good things against Florida. Um, You know, you hope you get that second year leap from Jawan Briggs. I think you should almost be expected. He's worked really hard and, you know, really high caliber player out of high school. And, you know, Adib Atarwaya, I could be saying his last name wrong, but the JMU transfer, you know, you hope he can play a role. Um, hopefully in the pass rush as well. So, you know, like like you and I both said, Aaron Famui, losing him hurts. You know, he's a really, really high-caliber player. But, you know, you hope these guys have the depth to weather the storm. And on paper, I think they do. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we'll see. And, um, you know, with the with the 3-4, the defensive line, you really want them to be kind of bigger-bodied guys and stuff those holes and get the line ba- get the linebackers in the backfield you know, missing Famui is going to hurt. So I dropped him down to five. Who do you have for your fifth ranked? So my fifth was actually very difficult for me to choose. And I was going back and forth between three different position units. I landed on wide receivers and tight ends Mm -hmm. as my fifth position unit. And, you know, for me, I was going, I thought about quarterback, but I was really going back and forth between receivers, tight ends, and offensive line. 
And for me, what ticked the receivers and off or the receivers and tight ends up gave him the slight edge is Tony Poljan at tight end. You know, mm-hmm. by all accounts, he is going to be a big part of this offense. You know, Brennan Armstrong as a quarterback is probably going to utilize the middle of the field, the intermediate routes, um, you know, which just screen tight end. He's going to use those more than Bryce Perkins did. And, you know, looking at receiver, we've got a solid returning player in Terrell Jana returning. You know, I think Billy Kemp is also on the offensive side of the ball, kind of a dark horse for a breakout player. He had 35 receptions last year, a strong end of the season. I think playing that HVAC role, the same kind of role that Alamade played, you know, similar to what Joe Reed did last year too. All those guys, you know, Alamade in 2017 and 2018, Joe Reed in 2019, they led the team in receptions each year. Now Billy Kemp slides into that role. I mean, I think Billy Kemp, you know, really could have a shot at leading this team in receptions this year just by virtue of the position he plays and has into last season. Mm-hmm. So I'm optimistic with him. I'm optimistic with uh, Rashawn Henry as well, the transfer from St. Francis. You know, it looks like he could be starting opposite Terrell Jana week one. And apparently he's done some really great things in camp. So, you know, you're hoping that between Henry, Kemp, and Jana, you have a solid receiving trio. You add in Poljan, who could be, you know, a strong blocker in the run game, but also, you know, very big body type of kind of almost old school tight end. I think these guys, you know, could do pretty well. Ricky Brumfield um, taking over the unit. I think he's going to do a good job with them, probably a better job than Robert and I. He had a lot more on his plate as offensive coordinator as well. And, you know, Marcus Higgins has earned every cent of his paycheck the past few years. So oh, I'm, for sure. I'm betting on the receivers, you know, probably exceeding expectations, which I would say are probably pretty low right now with the graduation of Dubois and Reed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I hate to leave the receivers out because I think that, um, you know, we get the transfer tight end. I think Jana's fantastic. You know, he was, I feel like he was kind of overlooked almost because of how well Joe Reed and uh, Hasis Dubois played last season. But Terrell Jana really had a fantastic year, uh, had some really big catches, was really good uh, route running. But, um, you know, he had two guys in front of him. Now he's the leader. He's a team captain. I think he's going to step up a lot. I really like Tavares Kelly and Billy Kemp. I think they're going to be great. You know, they also came on kind of late last season, had some uh, had some good plays late on. And, you know, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Now, unfortunately... Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, you got it. You got it. Well, I was just going to say, you know, we don't know how Armstrong is going to be. We don't know what he's capable of. We don't know what his arm strength is like. Um, we don't know what his timing with the receivers are. We know, I think he's good. I think he's going to be great as a quarterback. We just don't know right now how that's going to look. Yeah, you know, that's a really good point because the offense is going to change. And, you know, there was a really, um, you know, the guys at Hughes Place do a terrific job on their blog. And, you know, one of the posts they put out the other day was kind of a mailbag. And so many of the questions in the mailbag were, how does this offense evolve? And, you know, we can talk a little bit about this when we talk about the quarterbacks. But I think the passing playbook is going to expand. I think there's going to be more routes in the route tree that Brennan Armstrong will have at his disposable. And what you hope is that you still maintain the threat of him on the ground. But the passing playbook, you hope, expands to the point where it was with Kurt Benkert. And, you know, Kurt Benkert had a terrific arm, you know, kind of streaky as a decision maker. 
but he could make every throw in the playbook. So the reason I bring that up is because looking at the past couple of seasons with Bryce Perkins, you know, you largely eliminated the deep ball from the playbook. Now there were some, uh, some passes here and there that were deep throws, but it was largely eliminated. And you look back at some of the Kurt Bankard highlights, he threw a very strong deep ball. He had a cannon. And that was a big part of the offense, mm-hmm. you know, between Andre Lavroni, Alameda Zacchaeus. That was a big part of the offense. We didn't have that the past few years. So if Brennan can hit the deep ball and reports out of camp is that he can, you know, you got to look at other guys who could develop. You know, Tavares Kelly is a really, really intriguing choice in that sense because he is a burner. You know, not great at the intermediate route tree. UVA doesn't run a lot of screen passes. But, you know, we saw his freshman year he really could get behind the defense. And of course the play that stands out is the underthrow and then drop against Virginia tech yeah. when he was wide open. But you know, the hope is that this year, if Tavares Kelly gets wide open like that, Brendan Armstrong is hitting him, you know, pretty much in stride because he does have that bigger arm. So I think Tavares Kelly on deep throws is a really intriguing player to watch. I also think, you know, looking at the freshman six foot seven, Lavelle Davis has been talked a lot about in camp and, my initial fear with Lavelle Davis when I put the roster out and he was listed at six foot seven, my thought was, is that too big to play receiver? You know, is he going to be able mm-hmm. to move, um, run the routes, be shifty enough? But reports out of camp are, you know, A, he's strong in the red zone. So, I mean, at six foot seven, you know, Hassis Dubois the past two years has really been kind of our jump ball red zone guy. Could Lavelle Davis step into that as a freshman? Yeah. Maybe. And he's also apparently very strong on the deep routes, has great speed. You know, maybe we'll see him turn into kind of a deep ball route runner, similar to what Andre Lombroni was, um, give Le- given Lavelle Davis, uh, you know, give him a few more years and maybe he reaches there. And Dimmick Starling, another freshman, you know, he hasn't generated quite the buzz that Lavelle Davis has in camp, but Starling has also um, impressed by all accounts. And, you know, he's going to be more of a short to intermediate route runner type guy. He's very fast, so another intriguing player to watch. So you do have some young guys at this position, you know, guys that aren't among kind of the Jana Henry Kemp group that are probably going to be the main focus of the offense. There are a couple names here and there that you know you hope one of them emerges and can really play a role in the offense this year. Yeah, and before um, you know, I I like hearing all that. I didn't include the wide receivers in there, and you didn't include. Um, three position groups as well before we talk about those i want to talk about our sponsors bet online as uh sports keeping them back so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner betonline.ag major league baseball and the nba and the nhl are in full swing and the nfl and college football come back very very soon there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action bet online has all the odds futures and props for you to bet on visit betonline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses bet online your online wagering experts and we are also sponsored by manscaped the manscaped lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image 
Their ceramic blade and skin safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellas down low. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and comes with an LED light so you can manscape in the shower or in the dark or in a dark shower, whatever floats your boat. They also just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is a perfect add on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools and it includes tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. The Shears 2.0 nail kit allows you to pluck your eyebrows and trim your nails in style on their website you also find the crop preserver an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer this will help you tame that that summer swamp with natural hydrators and antioxidants you also find the crop reviver a testy toner that's like having cologne that is designed for your balls we won't judge you if you catch you sniffing yourself go to manscaped.com and check out some of the life-changing products in fact listeners of the show will get 20 percent off and free shipping with code armchair at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code armchair a-r-m-c-h-a-i-r it's time to grab 2020 by the horns i love these guys man <laughs> they're terrific <laughs> i don't know why they don't say grab it by the balls <laughs> i almost said that out of out of you know because that's how it should be <laughs> So uh, we've talked about the five position groups we think are going to have the most impact on the team this year. We agreed on some, we disagreed on some, and now it's time to talk about why we didn't include the other three position groups. For me, myself, it was uh, wide receivers, quarterbacks, and uh, running backs at the end. Rob, your three, I think, were quarterback, running back, and offensive line. Am I right? Yep. And I don't think it's any surprise to anyone that our three position groups that we think have the most to prove or have the most to work on probably are all on the offensive side of the ball. Rob, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's totally fair. You know, I think the defense is ahead of the offense and not just an equality of starter standpoint, but an equality of depth standpoint. And, you know, it's kind of shown itself a bit on the recruiting trail, you know, most of our big recruits are on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, it's kind of shown itself in performance as well. Um, you know, you look at how good of a player Bryce Perkins was at UVA, but really Bryce Perkins kind of hid a lot of the weak position units while he was here. You know, the offensive line was a work in progress, both his junior and senior season. I mean, I was actually reminded I was watching TV this week and I was watching a kind of ACC team preview on the ACC network and they were showing the UVA Notre Dame highlights from that game. And my God, I forgot how bad he was beat up, how bad the line played against was, Notre Dame. It was a bad game. For I them. mean, yeah, I mean, he was playing behind that offensive line, you know, running backs um, last season were really, really weak um, as far as production goes. So you kind of had Bryce Perkins hiding a lot of, you know, these holes in the offense and not to say the offense can't develop, but, you know, the defense is certainly ahead at this point and kind of the Bronco men in whole era. So, you know, I look at the offensive line, you know, I think they have every ability to move up to be kind of the number three position unit, like you said. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm just kind of in a prove it mode. You know, I think mm -hmm. they have, you know, they have the experience, they have the returning starters, you know, they have a credible two deep finally, but I'm really waiting for them to say like, hey, yeah, like we can run the ball or yeah, like we actually have legitimate pass blocking tackles. You know, everyone's talking about Ryan Swoboda and he's had a terrific camp, it sounds like. 
I'm still kind of in like wait and see mode there. I really want to see what this actually looks like. Running back, you know, we have two scholarships running backs. Sorry, Dustin, what's I cut you off. Well, I was just going to jump in and say, you know, I feel that way about the wide receivers. You know, you included them, but at the same time, it's like we lost a lot of production from Joe Reed and Aziz Dubois. And, you know, we've got talented guys, but I feel like at sometimes experience is really important for these position groups, especially one like offensive line, especially one like wide receiver where you got to know how to, you know, run your routes and how the quarterback's going to throw to you. I think that when we play Virginia Tech in week two of the college football season, I think it's going to be more important to have experience because they know what's going on. You know, we don't know what the wide receivers are going to be able to do. We know that the offensive line has been in a game like that. And we know that the offensive line um, has worked together before. We don't know how Terrell Janna and Brendan Armstrong are going to play with each other uh, in that first game. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I would have been right with you if we didn't get the transfer tight end, Tony Polgen. Yeah. You know, to me, he's kind of the elevator into the top five for me for that unit. Yeah. Um, you were talking about like running backs. Should... Yeah, so running backs, you know, we've talked about Wade and Tyler Papa. You know, we have Shane Simpson now, although we're going to have to see how he kind of performs, you know, post-ACL tear last year and at an ACC level. You know, he was at Towson last year, which was FCS. And that's really it as far as scholarship running backs go. You know, two scholarship backs. You know, it sounds like Paris Jones, the walk-on, is going to factor in as well. You know, he'll play special teams like he has the past two years. It also, like, would not surprise me if he gets bumped up and plays some meaningful snaps because there's just not that many carries to go around. Um, so I think that could, he could certainly play a role there. But, yeah, I mean, it's just – a thin position group, you know, no Ronnie Walker. It sounds like his waiver appeal was denied. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike Collins is opting out. It's just a thin room. And then, you know, we, I think quarterback certainly deserves to be talked about because I actually think it's a really strong room, mm-hmm. you know, quarterback room, Brennan Armstrong, I think is going to do pretty well this year. You know, you've got a strong backup and Keaton Thompson, a guy who's played at a high level, you know, a high ranking recruit, uh, you know, more of a runner than a passer at this stage. But, you know, I think it's a strong backup quarterback. Um, you know, and we also got to talk about Ira Armstead. Apparently Ira mm-hmm. Armstead, the true freshman, has had a really, really strong camp. You know, Jason Beck was highly complimentary of him in his press conference last week. Um, and, you know, he's also a really, really athletic guy. And it sounds like, you know, Keaton Thompson and Ira Armstead across training at other positions, you know, just in case. But I think you've got to feel good about the future of that room. Not even to mention, you know, you look at the recruits coming in next year, you know, you get two strong recruits and Jay Wolfolk and uh, Jacob Rodriguez coming in in the class next year. So I think you got to feel good about the depth and the future of the position. And I think Brennan Armstrong, you know, I think he's been slept on a little bit and, you know, there's plenty of reason for that. He's played, and a few snaps he's played some important snaps but he hasn't played a lot of snaps and you know we haven't seen the offense truly designed around him I think he's going to do pretty well though I'm not ready to jump the quarterback room into the top five yet but I think they could certainly be in the top five in the top half of the roster by year end you know I think that I agree with you I think he's severely underrated I think that he's got a confidence about him that I really like and you know with quarterbacks 
it's they're kind of different than other positions. You got to really have kind of a swagger to you. I think Brennan Armstrong definitely has that swagger, and I think that he's got control of his offense. And hopefully, you know, I saw a picture of him, and you know, he had studs in his ears, and he was wearing a chain, and he had his helmet up, and he just looked like the part of a quarterback. And so I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to having a gunslinger again, kind of in the backfield, kind of like Ben Kurt, maybe a little bit more decisive than Ben Kurt, but like still like able to throw it really far. I just you know once again we haven't seen him in action. We don't know how he's going to react. We don't know how he how he can run. How does he make decisions under pressure? Does he throw it away? Does he check down? Like what what happens? What does he do? And before I bump the quarterbacks up, as you said, I got to see what we're dealing with here. Yeah. And, you know, you bring up a really interesting point about just kind of his demeanor. And that's the thing that keeps coming up in press conferences is that Brennan Armstrong kind of brings a bit of a fire to the quarterback room Mm -hmm. that maybe Bryce wasn't. You know, Bryce was super, super calm. And, you know, he was always steady. And when things were bad, he was steady. When things were good, he was steady. You know, he was kind of the same personality, you know, play in and play out. You know, it almost reminded me a bit of Malcolm Brogdon in that sense. Yeah. You know, he was always just steady. Um, Brennan Armstrong is a bit more fiery, it sounds like. You know, it sounds like he's a bit more of an emotional player. You know, it sounds like he'll get heated in some instances, not in a bad way, but it sounds like he's, you know, Jason Beck called him a bit more of a fighter. So, you know, it is going to be curious to see how that goes. And, you know, <laughs> the favorite thing for Virginia fans and Robert and I, um, you know, in that discussion is, you know, when is there going to be up-tempo? And, you know, that yeah. was something they loved to run at BYU. That was something they tried to run in the first game with Kurt Benkert against Richmond. And when we lost to Richmond, it kind of just left. You know, we saw a little bit of no huddle last year, but we never really saw tempo. And, mm-hmm. you know, it sounds like Brennan Armstrong, you know, his play kind of is a bit more conducive towards that. So if the team thinks they have enough depth, then it's that could be in the playbook this year. So that's something, you know, worth monitoring as well. But yeah, I mean, just in general, they're different players and they have different strengths. You know, the offense is going to look a little. I know Jason Beck says the offense isn't going to look that different, but it's going to look different. There's going to be some new wrinkles in there. It's going to look really different. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of it is gamesmanship, too. You know, they don't want to tip Virginia Tech off towards anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, same goes with Virginia Tech saying they have three quarterbacks in their competition. You know, Hendon Hooker is coming out there week one. You know, there's just a lot of gamesmanship at play right now. but yeah, it's going to be really fun to see how Brennan Armstrong does um, because he is a different quarterback and I think he can do very well. But like you said, we just got to, we kind of have to see it a little bit before we're ready to bump the quarterbacks up. Yeah, I agree. And you know, as you were talking about earlier, we got two quarterbacks waiting in uh, Armstead and uh, Thompson. who are both really good as, as it sounds like. Do you think that they come in at any point, especially uh, Thompson, do you think he comes in in kind of a wildcat formation do you think that we have two quarterbacks on the field at the same time? Do they play some running back? Like, do you think there's any chance of that this season? Yeah, you know, as far as cross-training goes, both of them are cross-training, although we don't know at what positions. You would imagine both are on the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, you would think one is at receiver. And Broncos said they are training at cross-training at different positions. So in case one of them, you know, comes up with COVID and has to sit out, 
that mm-hmm. it's not affecting the other player too. So you would imagine one of those players is that receiver, you know, maybe the others at running back, you know, at six foot four, Keaton Thompson would be a really tall running back. Um, but you know, in a, in case of emergency mode, maybe that's the case. Um, so we'll see. He's a strong runner and he's a really, really fast runner. As far as having packages um, with multiple quarterbacks or more wildcat type packages, you know, that was actually a question in the who's plays mailbag I referenced earlier. And there's some differing, differing thoughts there. You know, on the one hand, Keaton Thompson is a strong runner and he's a really fast runner. But on the other hand, it really depends on what situation you're trying to put him in. You know, when I think design quarterback run, a lot of times I'm thinking short yardage. And I think in short yardage, Brennan Armstrong has just as good um, or just as strong of a running ability as Keaton Thompson. I don't think there's a huge advantage to putting him in on design running plays Mm -hmm. when it's short yardage. I think his speed is really a threat in between the 20s. But when you put him in in between the 20s, you know, you're kind of doing a bit of a drop off from Brennan Armstrong's threat as a passer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's kind of balancing act of how far are you willing to go? You know, my best guess is just seeing the offense the past few years. It's pretty, it's been pretty conservative as far as creativity goes. So I'm not expecting a lot of that to be put into the playbook. But that said, you know, for a team that lacks running backs, and when you have a player as fast as a Keaton Thompson there, you know, I'm not willing to go as far to say that won't be in the playbook or it's not a possibility. I'd be surprised if it was, but it certainly could be in play. What do you think? I just don't want a two quarterback system. Like I hope they choose someone and stick with them. Uh, if if they do move to Keon Thompson at some point in the season, is, is it Keon Keaton? Keaton. Keaton Thompson. If they choose him at some point, I hope they stick with him. Uh, I don't like you know just thinking back to the London years where we had two quarterbacks every other possession. It just you know sucked, and I hate that. So I I want them to choose one and stick with them, you know, and I, I think Brennan Armstrong is our guy, uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens over the course of the season. Yeah, and, you know, I don't think that's, I don't think really kind of getting into a quarterback controversy is going to be a problem, and, you know, I'm, I think, you know, you look at Brennan Armstrong, A, he was named the starter about a month ahead of the first game, so I think that's a really strong indicator that he's really, you know, taken the job by the horns. He's done a really good job there. And two, you know, Brendan Armstrong was named a captain, which is really exciting, you know, to have a sophomore, right. you know, redshirt sophomore, but a sophomore named captain. So I'm not really concerned about the quarterback controversy coming up. Um, and, you know, Brendan Arm or uh, Bronco Mendenhall, you know, as far as a game management type of coach, he is, you know, leagues above where Mike London was. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was, those were some rough years. So I'm not really concerned about that, but you know, as far as working Keaton Thompson into the offense, it could happen. You know, I certainly wouldn't blame them if they tried to do it. But I do think there's something to be said for having a credible number two quarterback healthy. And, you know, you saw how that really limited, you know, in the Kurt Benkert years. They didn't push him much as a runner as far as any design running plays for him. And, you know, you saw with Bryce last year when Brennan Armstrong went down. You know, they really limited his design running plays. And mm-hmm. Bryce was hurt for the first half of last year. And, you know, when he wasn't at 100% playing with a knee brace, you saw how the offense changed and how it became more limited. So I think there is something to be said to protecting your number two quarterback as well. 
all that to say, you know, it could still happen. And I wouldn't be angry if it happened, but I'd be a little surprised if it happened. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, we're, we'll see that there's going to be a lot of questions going into the season. We'll probably figure some out at going into next week and, and maybe after a depth chart is released for our first game in week two of the season. We don't have a week one game. Uh, it was canceled against VMI. We do have a new non-conference opponent, though, in Albion Christian. Aren't you excited, Rob? Um. I'm excited to have an 11th game. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I know anything about their football program. You know, they compete at the FCS level, and David Thiel tweeted out that their conference this season was actually canceled, but they went about scheduling their own season without conference play. So um, I think Army is one of their other, um, you know, FBS opponents. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's, the, it's an interesting scheduling choice, one that – Bronco said he really didn't want to play an 11th game, but yeah. ACC really pushed them to do that. So Virginia was actually the last team to get the 11th game on the calendar. So well, okay, I, we I'm had excited. one, we had one, and then well, yeah. VMI <laughs> backed out. Yes, that is that is accurate. Yes, um, the last last team to finalize their schedule, maybe. That, Although that, I'm sure yeah. all these schedules are going to be in flux. I'll agree with um, you on but that. But no, I'm excited. The more football, the better for me. So. If we can play an 11-game schedule, to me, that's way more fun than playing a 10-game schedule. Yes, I totally agree with you on that. Um, so we'll we'll look into Albion Christian when we get there in November. <laughs> if we get there in November, we'll see if the season lasts that long. I don't, I, you know, at this point, it feels like it can. It really does. I feel like, I, you know, the NBA is going so strong, and uh, baseball seems to figure it out. It's you know, crazy Marlins mishaps. And uh, the NHL is doing great so far. So I feel like, you know, it's definitely possible at this point. I think it's possible for sure. Um, you know, the wild card of, is, of course, students returning to campus. Right. You know, my younger brother just moved in uh, this weekend to UVA. And there's certainly a lot of people out and about. Um, and, you know, we've seen, you know, some mishaps at some schools as far as high COVID test numbers. You know, there was a scare earlier last week. Um, with Virginia Tech numbers, they had a couple cases. And you, there was even the extreme example at Tennessee this past week where, you know, I think it was eight or nine players tested positive, but they ended up holding 40-some players out of the scrimmage because mm-hmm. they had had contact with those players. So literally, you know, half the team um, they deemed not ready to play. So it wouldn't shock me if there's some real kind of <laughs> wild card wrenches thrown in here. But, yeah. you know, by all accounts, it seems... I'm confident at least in UVA's testing ability and commitment to it. And, you know, it seems like the season is going to move forward and, you know, games have already happened. So the hope is that it can just go about smoothly. Yeah, we can, we can only hope. So uh, hopefully that, that goes on like that next week. We'll, we'll do a preview on the Virginia, Virginia tech game, which will be on ABC, which is super cool. We don't get a lot of those ABC games. Uh, And we will, it will be at either three 30 or 7.30. So, prime time, baby. I feel good about that. Rob, is there anything you want to add to um, this conversation about position groups, ranking them, all that kind of stuff? You know, nothing much other than the fact that, you know, when you when you really break this down, you are able to see kind of how the roster is 
built and kind of where the priority focus areas are. And, you know, all I'll say is doing this under a Bronco Mindenhall coach team is way more comforting than doing this under a Mike London coach team. You know, you really see how intentionally the roster is built, not to say there aren't holes, but how they are looking to fill a certain number of players at a specific position, how succession plans are taking shape, you know, most notably at quarterback. Um, but it is really interesting to break down the roster like this. And it's something that I enjoy doing. Yeah, I agree. Um, I totally agree with you on that. So with all that, that's all for us today. Thanks so much for listening. This is the Guys and Ties podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Snapchat for all that bonus content at Guys and Ties Pod. Go ahead and give us a follow on Spotify and iTunes if you want to keep listening to us. And check out Armchair Media as well. They got a lot of different podcasts about a lot of different sports. So if you got a sport that you like that's not UVA related, check them out. They've got it there probably. And we will see you guys next week for that Virginia Tech preview. Go Hoos. Go Hoos.